We are the existentialists. Four existential psychotherapists invite you to join us in a dialogue about what it means to live an existentially tuned life. Your hosts are Xavier Williams, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Janelle Dresner, therapist in Edmonton, Canada. Chelsea Stenner, therapist in South Surrey, Canada. And Mihaela Lounano, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Hello, welcome to our podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about loneliness. And we'll start by um, checking in with each other how we're doing today before discussing such a topic and I'll invite my colleagues here to yeah to just check in like how are you doing today where do you find yourself in your inner world but also in the larger context of our life today and then share whatever you feel comfortable sharing good question I'm doing pretty well today the life seems to be returning a little bit to kind of towards normal in terms of what we can and can't do here in Vancouver. And so that's more enjoyable. You can be a bit more social, which is an important thing for me. So I'm perhaps less lonely than I might have been recently. And that's encouraging. It's revitalizing for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing this topic because it's something that I previously wouldn't have identified with a lot. But more recently, particularly in my in our profession, but also recently in COVID, like the whole kind of lockdown thing, that certainly more loneliness came up, for sure. I'm attracted to this topic. I'm looking forward to discussing it. I think for me lately, how am I doing? I've been feeling quite emotional, but about nothing in particular. Just been feeling sometimes sadness just wells up and I just have to sit with it. And other times I'm feeling angry. That one's a bit easier to locate with what's going on in the world with Black Lives Matter and the protests and the riots and and just politics and so on and so forth. But yeah, I'm feeling a lot of emotion more than I normally do in my day to day. So it's been interesting. Actually, I've been choosing to sit more in solitude to just let whatever I'm feeling come up and over me and through me. So there's been more of a slowness to my days. And in that sense, I am grateful that I'm still spending a good amount of time at home because I feel emotionally, I actually don't want to engage too much with the outside world right now. So feeling quite contemplative and introspective, but I'm also enjoying that. That's where I'm at. Thank you, Jenna. And for me, I'm missing everything that you just said, like about, um, you know, solitude and being more contemplative like i feel that uh, more recently there were lots of things lots of kind of fires popping up in my life metaphorically speaking so i didn't have that much time to rest to slow down and to experience solitude so i move into this discussion today about loneliness with um, kind of craving solitude and being alone and touching base with myself and like you like the things that are going on in the world are very disturbing. I'm longing for some time of going inwardly for solitude, 
and looking forward to maybe some time off during this summer to find that slower pace and to connect with myself more. Yeah, I feel like I'm somewhere in between, actually, both what you're feeling, Janelle, and you, Mahila. Maybe not like the average of the two, but I kind of am vacillating a bit between them, I would say, over the last little while. We're just kind of feeling, like you said, more contemplative, a little bit heavier in terms of my emotional experiences, a little bit more melancholic than usual. But then at the same time, I'm also trying a little bit more to re-engage socially because I have really enjoyed my solitude. And in fact, like I just, I want more of it and I want more quiet and more peace and a slower pace. So I've really been enjoying that and yeah, it's been really nice to settle into it. And I think I'm just wanting more of it. So I'm trying to figure out kind of a new balance or rhythm of life right now in terms of my pace and things. Thank you, Chelsea. So shall we talk about loneliness? Let's do it. Okay. And I suggest that it would be good for us to kind of clarify our terms a bit because I think uh, the term loneliness sometimes uh, may get confused with aloneness or solitude. And I think in our checkings, we all of us kind of talked about solitude, loneliness. So maybe it would be good to start here by being more clear about what you mean by loneliness, different kinds of loneliness and experiences, and also what does it mean to be alone and to to spend time in solitude. And some of us already said that we wish for that and we enjoy that. And this is probably not the, enjoyment is not the first word that comes to most people mind when they think about being lonely. For myself, if it's okay to start, like for myself, like I do make a, a distinction between uh, being alone and or solitude and being lonely or feeling lonely. And being alone is something that I very much appreciate and I choose and I enjoy because it allows me to be with myself, to touch base with my inner ground. It gives me the space and the time to process my experiences, to sit with experiences, and to live in that intimacy with myself. So it's an experience that is rich and enriching, while feeling lonely is uh, quite different. It's when I cannot actually find that, uh, you know, warm space within myself to feel connected with myself. And there is a strange feeling of estrangement or, yeah, not being well with myself in those moments. I don't have lots of moments of loneliness, thankfully, or not thankfully. I tend to be quite content by myself and with myself. That's how I distinguish between feeling lonely and being alone. And I wonder how it is for you, if you even make this distinction. I know that even in the literature on that, some philosophers, some theories don't necessarily make a distinction between the two. And they get kind of amalgamated under loneliness. So I'm curious, how is it for you if you even um, use that distinction, like between being alone or in solitude and feeling lonely? And how are these experiences for you? I liked use of the word estrangement. And estrangement from self, and then also estrangement from other people. 
And I think when my clients and even friends, family talk about loneliness, typically in conversation, that word will come up when there is a disconnect between myself and other people, or other people aren't available or they're not around. And I have historically felt loneliness that way, but more so in more recent years, I would feel loneliness more like estrangement from myself. So I like your dis how you distinguish between loneliness and being alone and in solitude. I think for me, I see loneliness as the feeling that arises maybe first. I'm not sure if there's an order, but it just seems like in order to get to a place where being alone and in solitude is welcomed, there often is that walking through the darkness or the painful experience of a feeling of loneliness. At least that's been my experience. It's actually in confronting the loneliness. We may be able to come to a place of finding our center and solitude. So I agree, like distinguishing them, but I also see them as intimately connected as well. I like what you said there, Janelle, because I was thinking about it too. And in more like recent times or past couple of years, I've certainly felt more solitude, but it feels very different than the loneliness maybe that I would have experienced before in that there was like an insatiable quality to it where it didn't really feel like it could ever really be filled, but I was seeking for it. And then I feel like somewhere in the process or along the way, coming home to myself and having that relationship with myself be very close and very full, I don't know, converted or transmitted that loneliness feeling to one of solitude. Yeah, well, I think if I was understanding what Janelle was saying was that the connection Mm -hmm. between the two are very close and intimate and Mm -hmm. in confronting her loneliness, she found a way to solitude. And I think that has also been my experience. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So honestly, when I'm kind of listening to the three of you, I I was waiting for something to spark Mm -hmm. in me. Usually that's how I kind of do things and I go, oh yeah, this is mine and Mm -hmm. this is, but nothing really came up. Perhaps I approach it from touching on something that Chelsea was mentioning before we started recording, kind of this, for most of my life, I haven't really felt lonely. Mm -hmm. That has shifted as I've gotten older for a host of reasons, but there is a, I've always largely been content with being in my head, let's call it. So I'm alone, but kind of knowing that I could go and play in my own head, I could go and revel in fantasy, I could explore, I could philosophize, I could do a whole bunch of things, even in, say, the presence of others that I don't really agree with or fit in or... So places where I I might imagine I could be lonely, but that was always kind of okay. And certainly that's something that's come up with recently a lot with clients talking about how they are often so lonely when they are with other people, Mm -hmm. not so much on their own, which is, a you know, I think a lot of listeners will probably go, oh yeah, that I know what that is. But if we think about it, it seems really paradoxical that you would be lonely with others. And of course, for me, then it you know it brings us to the the kind of the existential concept that you know many have described, but you know that Yalom describes so well, so nicely as existential isolation. This idea that 
no matter how close you ever get to somebody, we'll mm-hmm. never actually know what it's like to be them, and they will never reach us. And any attempts to overcome that are ultimately futile, which in many ways sounds quite dark, but can, at least for me, it's been actually quite revelatory. I was going to say dark or Mm -hmm. kind of precious in that you have your own unique experience, your own unique separateness that only you can be in relationship with yourself with. Uh, certainly, and that's how it's been for me, for sure. When I read it, I remember going, oh, okay, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Almost as if it kind of maybe gives us permission to stop trying. And I don't mean to give up, but to stop trying to overcome the futility of of really trying to overcome it, of to, particularly as it relates to kind of relationships and what have mm-hmm. you. And in this sense, so this is very provocative, like <laughs> in the sense that it gets to a core issue in existentialism and mm-hmm. in life which is, uh, are we truly relational or are we fundamentally alone? And what you said, Chelsea, about the fact Mm -hmm. that it's not just dark experience to be alone, but actually it's a very fruitful experience and something also miraculous almost, that we are separate, that we we enjoy that uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And of course, the beauty of encountering the uniqueness and differences in others, right? It's not just... um, selfish, self-absorbed enjoyment of my own uniqueness, but it's the uniqueness and differences in encounters. And so some people will say a lot these days in certain communities, at least, that we are relational, ontologically we are relational. And at the same time, what you're saying is like there is a fundamental separateness that we we experience. And you said, uh, Sav, that is futile. even to try to be fully known and fully in a relationship. So that's a very, very intriguing point to reflect on. And I think, like for me, I think ontologically, if we go with Heidegger, we are being with, like our design, our being in the world is being with, but existentially, we are also fundamentally alone. So ontologically, we may be part of a web of relationship with being with, being in the world, but existentially, as we assume our existence, become aware of ourselves, become our authentic self, then being alone becomes a fundamental experience. And not just a dark experience, but also a beautiful, rich experience for me. So then is loneliness an inability to accept that fundamental fact that we are alone? That's an excellent question. I think it could be. It could be because uh, also I think naturally, I think also Heidegger will suggest that we, most of us, most human beings, will prefer to be embedded in roles, relationships, even functional relationships, and not to ever be fully aware of the fact that we are standing alone and mm. to be aware of the burden of authenticity. So I guess it's, uh, there, yeah. is a, there could be a comfort in belonging in the sense of blending in and not assuming fully one's aloneness. So I, my gut feeling is that, yes, like my answer is yes to your question. It's possible yeah. by not assuming that existential dimension. We fight it and we become more and more estranged and lonely. Is this not where we, and I don't want to divert too much because, I mean, we could go down mm-hmm. any rabbit hole, but is this not where something like codependency mm-hmm. becomes a thing or cults become a thing, mm-hmm. right, where you're effectively trying to lose yourself to not exactly. 
Yeah, to not, not to be, be yourself. yourself. Yeah. Exactly, because there is a comfort in not being oneself and not assuming um, the full capacity for self or personhood even, right? It's easier sometimes to blend in and to belong to a cult or a mm. community and rather than assuming that uh, authenticity because it prevents that feeling of loneliness. So it seems to me that we, we moved again, we brought in a, a different level of loneliness or being alone, right? Which is uh, sometimes called existential loneliness, which is a fundamental experience of the nature of our existence. Our separateness in this universe is a given, is also an existential given. And you brought in Yalom, Sav, with um, the isolation and self-alienation, which are could be experiences that are connected with this fundamental aloneness. Mm -hmm. So here I'm starting to get sparked now, okay. <laughs> my, what I was mentioning, but it, just to kind of add in a little bit of 21st century flavor, there's, I don't know if it's an actual danger because I'm not sure it'll actually happen, but this kind of drive by people like Elon Musk and what have you to blend AI and machine with mm -hmm. humans effectively at one level, I see as an attempt to overcome precisely this existential loneliness. Mm. Why? Because the way as I've understood it to work or the aim is eventually that you would at least in parts be able to think and then stuff would happen. You know, if you've ever been at a computer and it, it won't, you know, you've got to move your mouse and it's got to click this and this and this, and then you've got to hold the shift key. And when it would be so easy, you know what we want to happen. So imagine you could just think it and it would happen, right? Very convenient if that would happen. But what that suggests is that the computer would know what you're thinking mm -hmm. and listen to you, but it also implies that the computer could read what you're thinking and therefore remove mm -hmm. the isolation, that barrier. Okay. Which you're getting to, if I'm understanding correctly, is that longing that you all have of being known. Like the computer may know our minds, well, may, may be with us in that Not so much, space. no. I mean, I, yes, I can see that, but that's not what I was approaching it for. No, I was approaching it from a, almost a kind of a, a danger, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. That it, that, that it would kind of, a, we would cease to be human. Yeah, absolutely. Suggest. There is a danger, but I was thinking like maybe that desire, that fantasy even, mm. that the computer can understand yes. what I feel oh, and right, how I, I feel is like it's in fantasy and right. in a dangerous way oh, may fulfill that longing mm -hmm. that to be known. Yeah. And I mean, that's what the movie Her is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan, for bringing your expertise in movies <laughs> here. Hey, that's the one with Oscar Isaac and the Leech of a Candle. No, no. Mm -hmm. it's um, oh, no, Machina, Joaquin, sorry. Joaquin Phoenix. Scarlett mm -hmm. Johansson plays the voice of an AI oh, and yeah, he sorry, falls in one, love yes. with her, mm -hmm. but then realizes that she is engaging in the same type of relationship with multiple people because she can, because she's mm -hmm. an AI. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting movie. Oh. But I think, I mean, to bring this down, I'm trying to think of like my clients who sit in front of me and without fail, every time we identify that the feeling that they're suffering from is loneliness, there's always tears. Mm -hmm. And it does make me wonder, as you're saying, like with Mahila questioning, is it to be known? Like, why do we not want to be lonely? Like, what is it that we're looking for from the other that we're not getting and that it ends up being so painful? Like, is it to be known? Is it to avoid our authenticity? Mm -hmm. all, all of the above and more. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is probably to avoid um, our authenticity, like 
to be ourselves. It's also, I think it's also legitimate longing, like to be with the other and to be at least partially known. So that desire to be known is very human. So it uh, obviously it can come from there. It could come, I'm thinking about my clients, from also like very legitimate, like disconnect from others, like interpersonal, like no relationships or no opportunity for the relationships. And in this sense, the COVID-19 pandemic really brought this to the fore, like people were, we, I mean, not just people, we were more disconnected like from each other. So that's the loneliness uh, because there is no real connection with the other, at least not physical interpersonal connection but also the estrangement from the self i just want you to add like another thing is like that we we don't connect with ourselves either in loneliness for sure absolutely i think that one though is harder for people to see mm-hmm. yes personally in my experience it's been harder for individuals to be able to say oh i'm out of connection with myself i find that when people are suffering from loneliness there's often this assumption that it's because I'm not in relationship mm-hmm. with the other. Very and much so. Because I relate more to the estrangement from self side of loneliness. It's actually hard for me sometimes mm-hmm. to understand like what is it actually that you're looking for from the other. So we say, oh I want connection. But why? For what? <laughs> what does that give us? What does being understood, what does that do for us? Yeah, so, great yeah, question. Th- that's why I ask because it's really curious to me. What are we looking for, mm-hmm. really? That's a great question. Maybe we can stay with it a bit. Like, what are we looking for the other? Like, talking about the interpersonal loneliness and uh, this idea that the other could fulfill some of that or alleviate some of that, Chelsea. Yeah, I think on a very basic level, and to go with a little bit what you said about the relational ontology, I can have my own self-experience, but sometimes it's also helpful to have that acknowledged or mirrored on the outside. So if somebody, you know, spends the time being open to me and to acknowledge my presence or that I'm there or to be with me as I'm with myself, then that adds like an extra solidity to, to, I feel like my existence. It it actually reminds me of a client that I had when I first started working who felt very, very alone and was quite alone interpersonally. And he would go to the hospital and he'd come back and tell me like with tears in his eyes, he's like, I go to the hospital because I just want someone to look me in the eyes and acknowledge that I exist. So I think there's something about being with others that is affirming to our existence. Like I am here, I exist, someone recognizes me. And I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, Again, that deep longing to be known, to be seen, it's very important. It's, I think, existentially very important. Like, it's all, we are not um, meant to be completely alone. So that's one dimension of our existence. So again, I see it again, the relationality and the aloneness, like tension there and also completing each other. It's interesting. I really like what you said about solidity to the existence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because what you said, like needing to know that I exist. I mean, so loneliness is like this harbinger of annihilation. That's huge. If nobody sees me, I do not exist. 
And then I go to right away, well, if that's the case, then it really does to me indicate they don't have, they aren't with themselves. They don't, they can't themselves feel their own person. So it always goes back to me about Mm -hmm. really relationship to self and estrangement from self. And I think it's important also to bring the distinction of developmental stages here and um, ontogenetic development, right? Because I think for sure, if someone didn't have any, you know, hasn't been seen and doesn't feel that solidity of existence as reflected back by another, like growing up, I think for sure they will feel probably more lonely and it will be more difficult to be alone when they are adults versus someone who had some experiences, if not a full range of experiences of being seen, then maybe that person has that solidity of existence of their own self already with them. And Mm. it may be a little bit easier to endure even loneliness or to be alone. But in that's a really good point. So that I wonder if that plays a role. But to be honest, my own experience is not a great support to that, to, to what I just said, because I did not feel particularly mirrored or held by others. My existence didn't gather solidity from being seen or known by others. I'm sitting with myself here saying, yeah, I'm saying all that and makes sense. And I guess there is support for <laughs> what I said. But on a personal level, I still wonder for myself if it's always the case that only being seen by the others from the outside provide that solidity of existence. And that I think you can be seen, Mm -hmm. but I guess the quality of being seen varies because you can be seen and acknowledged as an individual or a person, but maybe not be seen in your authenticity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we need that being seen in who we authentically are from the other in order to answer to loneliness or offset feelings of loneliness. Mm -hmm. I think that's confusing for people. Mm -hmm. I have been mirrored growing up and yet the mirroring maybe Mm -hmm. wasn't actually very very accurate. Yes. So then, then what do we kind of say or think about then people who, let's say as therapists, maybe we've done this, maybe you've experienced this. I know I have where I've got a client in front of me who, that I, I feel at least I want to say, so I'm not, saying this as fact, but that I'm seeing, I'm really trying to be with them and I'm yeah, putting major effort into doing that and to seeing beyond their primary complaints or their superficial complaints and really looking at them. And yet they will continually tell me that they haven't been seen. And that's a difficult one to, you know, mm-hmm. it's a you know thing as a therapist to hear, to kind of go, but like I'm right here with you. We've talked to you know, with all these things and, and yet still, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Had that experience too on both sides of the <laughs> yeah. that side. Yeah, I think like uh, as I think of some of my clients, with yeah, I'm always kind of desperate. Like I'm, I'm right here, and we share some very you know intimate like um, personal things, and we've done this for a while, and it still doesn't hold. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. It doesn't. And I think it's like, yeah, it takes time and it takes some of our clients, some of mine anyway, they've never had that experience before. So even to be able to recognize it and then first of all, to experience it fully. Mm -hmm. And that's also, it's big. Sometimes it's quite threatening. Sometimes it's very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? And then to be able to recognize it when it happens again and again, and then to hold on to it and, Mm -hmm. and bring it up with themselves. So I guess it's a very complicated and long process. So I think uh, it just takes time, especially mm-hmm. if they didn't have it growing up. 
to just recognize yep. and to be with it. Sometimes people feel very vulnerable mm-hmm. in when they are seen. Right, then, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I relate to what you said. That sometimes it's like, oh, yes, but I'm here. Yeah. I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, what is it about earlier what you said, Zav? This reminds me of like, you can be in a room full of people mm-hmm. and still feel like the loneliest person in the world. So, yeah, what's going on there? And same that you can be in a room with one person whose singular focus is to be with you and still mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. the loneliest person in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that like phenomenological research on loneliness recognize that these two fundamental types of loneliness, loneliness without the other. I mean, there is no other to know me, to mirror mm. me, to be with me, but also the other type of loneliness with the other. When I feel utterly alone and alienated, usually because I feel I experience myself so different, so out of reach. So I can be with many people in a room or with just one person who's really focusing on me and I can feel utterly alone or utterly lonely. And I guess that points to, goes back to what you said, General Louis, estrangement from self as well. Like, am I with myself to be able to receive what Mm. the others is seeing of me? Or am Mm. I in a bad place for that? I've experienced shifts with clients whose main issue is that they feel lonely It's not until they can actually feel the pain, feel what they're feeling in the present moment that that loneliness starts Mm -hmm. to subside. And maybe I'm getting ahead of things. I don't want to move on too fast. And like, how do we be with loneliness? Mm -hmm. But there is certainly something about the just the dynamic of like, I'm sitting in the office with a client and I'm my gaze is turned toward them. I'm looking at them peering into their person or trying to access them, but their focus is on somebody else who's not in the room. So it's this interesting, like even just in the eye contact or like the symbolic looking is elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And when the client brings their eyes back toward themselves and then I'm mirroring and looking at themselves, now we were dealing with the loneliness. Mm -hmm. Now we can answer to it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, General. That's important. I think, yeah, you are moving towards how to be with this, which is, um, we'll get there. But before that, I'm just curious if we can actually stay a bit with the pain, like mm-hmm. actually yeah, model what you that. are preaching and kind of for ourselves, like from our own experience or experiences with clients who feel lonely, like what is uh, the essence of that pain of loneliness? What is so unpleasant and painful in being lonely that people will do many things just to get a little bit of relief from that? What is it so painful there? I feel there is a quality, even if clients don't say it out loud, but this feeling of nobody can help me. Nobody can actually do anything. There's a helplessness in it. I'm out of reach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That no matter, I could take medication, I could do yoga and meditate, I could go for walks, I could, you know, but this thing is in me and it won't leave me no matter what I do. And you can't take it from me. There's nothing that you can do to take this from me. So, yeah, my own experience when I, and I said, I don't have lots of experiences of well, like this painful loneliness, but uh, when I, my most recent one was my feeling was like, yeah, I was completely out of reach. I was on a different planet, a different galaxy. Mm. And I almost like felt my boundaries from inside, from within. And 
there was, yeah, the feeling was there's absolutely no one who could begin to understand or want to understand. So it was a complete um, a feeling, an experience of a complete disconnect. And yeah, out of reach with, and also with um, the pain that comes with that. So not just out of reach and I'm great, uh, you know, hanging out on another galaxy, having fun, not that kind of out of reach, but really wanting, I think, yeah, I think it's the wonder in those moments mm-hmm. of loneliness, there is a one, the longing to be known. There is a true longing to be known that is not met. And that would be heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, better said. So that's um, part of the pain. That was part of the pain for me. And I think as well, like to Chelsea, your client, the feeling of non-existence can be obliterating. And I think there's a, a desperation that comes in that. At least with some of the family members I've seen that have really suffered from loneliness, I just feel that desperation, like that needing, the frantic reaching and it being futile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so strong. Yeah, and I think ultimately perhaps there has to be a, a receptivity to yourself first in order to create the openness or the ability to receive from the outside. For me, I feel like very quiet, just listening to the dialogue and contemplating where I'm at with it or what my experiences are. I feel like this is a really big topic and kind of similarly to Mahila, I don't feel that I have a lot of experience feeling that really, really deep pain of loneliness, but I also really didn't feel like mirrored growing up either. So I don't know, maybe that feeling should be there, but Mm -hmm. didn't get a chance Mm -hmm. to develop. Maybe I, you know, from an early age, you just go, Mm -hmm. oh, this is how it is. This is how it Mm -hmm. is. I am alone because I've Mm -hmm. never contemplated it really any differently Mm -hmm. from that. Like I've always been alone Mm -hmm. fundamentally, Mm -hmm. it feels. And so that is what's normal, but maybe there's a experience of feeling alone relationally that has been robbed from me because of that. That's very intriguing, Chelsea. I'm with you following. Yeah. (laughs) And not just following, but like resonating because yeah, when I said, this is how it is, I mean, yeah, this is, we are alone and I have never questioned like growing up like that we should be (laughs) any different. And, and so, yeah, I, I really wonder for myself, are people who experience first that, you know, mirroring and being seen, felt seen, and then lost it are those who more frantically are looking to recreate that experience. Ah, because they know they know it's possibly yeah. there. While, so, we, while we mirror our clients who haven't experienced and they cannot even understand. Right. They say, oh, I'm still alone. What are you talking about? Like nothing has changed. Uh, it's I, interesting because the, the thought that came up to me, well, the two of you were dialoguing there, Mahal and Chelsea, it was at what age, roughly, vaguely, do you guys imagine that you recognize that oh yeah this is how it is Mm -hmm. because i'm similar you know i wouldn't say i had a terrible lonely child in nobody stretch the imagination but i distinctly Mm -hmm. remember instances in my life where you know and as a child not even as a teenager where i kind of knew and so many at least so many of the philosophers or theorists that that i've read essentially say that well this is the solution to loneliness you accept 
Mm-hmm. That you accept it. Otherwise, you accept it. Yeah, you embrace it. You embrace it, then you mm-hmm. kind of. And if we go on the existential kind of loneliness, existential mm-hmm. isolation, that's the only thing you can do because mm-hmm. it is. It's mm-hmm. not just something that we wish or want, or it just is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people who grow up with quite different worldviews yes. that say that life is all about relationality. Yes. It is all about union, yes. especially if you grow up within certain religious or spiritual mm-hmm. communities. It is about union totally. with God or the transcendent. And not only that, but it should also be that our relationships with people on earth are a microcosm for this greater relationship with God. And so for many people who grow up with those worldviews, the experience of loneliness is profoundly excruciating mm-hmm. because it should not be this way. Yes. There, it's an assumption. It can then be compounded if the relations on the mortal relations are microcosms. Yeah, I yeah. think the suffering, the pain could be could feel more like even on the spiritual dimension yeah. that there is some failing or some longing that, right, that right, right. yeah, something unfulfilled. Yeah, and so then we don't have oodles of time left. Then something that comes up for me as the resident atheist in the group. So people are you know, brought up in different kind of worldviews, but are we not suggesting that, at least essentially speaking, regardless of those worldviews, it is that we are fundamentally alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on an existential level, level yes. yes, we. I think, and even if we, ontologically, we are again in this web of relationships, and I don't mean just with people, but with mm. the world, like being in the world, like that means being with what's around us. As we assume our existence, as we move from being and to existing, mm-hmm. right, and stand, rise above the condition and stand up in our existence and assume it, we tend to also become more aware of our separateness and our differences and our authenticity. So there is an experience of aloneness. Mm. We become aware that, oh, actually I am, I am alone. I am separate. I am different and nobody could know me fully the way I experience myself. Mm. And that's okay. And mm. maybe, maybe depending on the intriguing um, hypothesis here at our table and yeah. our dialogue is that depending on some developmental experiences for some of us, that realization, I am alone and this is how it is, came a bit earlier or mm-hmm. we did not uh, find it so painful. Actually, I think it was pretty painful if I think about myself. Like it was very painful that there was no one there. Sorry, let me read it. That I felt that there was no one there. Mm. There were lots of people there but mm-hmm. like no one like who could actually see me and truly like authentically as you said Janelle I think yeah there was a lot of pain for sure mm-hmm. from that there was that longing and pain but after a while yeah it became this is what it is and I felt that uh, from that moment on like I I accepted it and and I became an existentialist uh-huh. I think that also is my answer if there was ever a question why am I here <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I would absolutely agree that that's one of the defining features of what makes me an existentialist. I would think I was speaking to somebody the other day and they asked, you know, how come it is, you know, how did you come to be an mm-hmm. existentialist? And I kind of, my answer was partly at least, I think I've always been. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know it. Like just mm-hmm. the way I looked at things, the way my mind worked, the way I would question things, the way I would be okay, you know, know that mm-hmm. I, I'm ultimately alone and that... You know, I can try all I like, but there'll be parts that will never be transmuted. 
So how should we deal with this? Should we tell then our client starting on Monday, tomorrow, that um, um, just this is how it is. Stop coming and see me for this problem. Just accept it. Just embrace it. I mean, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not as easy as no. no, no, you're entirely right, Janelle. It's, although the, the phrase I used recently, uh, been using a lot recently, is that the solution is simple. It doesn't make it easy. The solution is simple. Stop trying to fix it. Accept mm. what is. Accept mm-hmm. what is, yeah. Which okay. is very hard. Mm-hmm. Way harder. Yeah, very, very hard. So I'm uh, like formally opening the question, like how do we deal with loneliness and how do we help our clients deal with loneliness? Or how can we be with it? For me, I see it as, again, like helping to foster and facilitate that relationship with self and that receptivity to self. It doesn't change like the fundamental aloneness, but it changes the relating to it. How might people do that, Chelsea? How? Yeah, like, what's, what's the kind of a thing that maybe has helped you or that you can kind of, that you've seen help clients? Well, I think it's a very long process and I think that therapy and the therapeutic relationship helps create that container or that space for that self-relating to happen and that free emotional experiencing that may not get to happen in other places. And then it's maybe through freely relating to oneself and the therapist in the room as well that a person gets to get more in contact with themselves and the loneliness maybe mm-hmm. lessens or dissipates mm-hmm. from there. I like yeah. that. Go yeah. to therapy. Go to therapy, but also the big assumption that there is a self to connect with, which I guess also it's another point of discussion, like how well developed is that sense of self in order to connect. But what you said, Chelsea, actually also helps with that. So it's a, a very dynamic process. Is it also a place, like I'm thinking in therapy, to lessen some expectations like that uh, I should be fully seen, I should be fully known. That fantasy even of romantic love, the soulmate, whatever quality and all that, like that intensifies the longings that are quite legitimately mm-hmm. human, of course, like to want to be seen and known, but like working with expectations, like, and also calling out some fantasies like that the other mm-hmm. should take away the pain of me being separate. Right. So, so almost kind of saying in response to why doesn't anybody see me to mm-hmm. in a very much kinder than I'm going to say it, well, why should anybody see you? Mm-hmm. Not to say nobody should, but how come is, mm-hmm. what is it? How come? Like exploring that long yeah. and yeah. the intensity of it and where mm-hmm. is it coming from? Exactly. What shapes it? I mean, yeah. I'm referring to the pop culture, our culture that promotes a lot of unrealistic ideas, in yes. my opinion, about togetherness, coupleship, and all that, that there is someone out there who will just make it all mm-hmm. better. Yeah, and the way we communicate, and now with social media, it's whole, it's designed, you never, you don't mm-hmm. have to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Open up your phone, watch videos. Yeah, that's such a good point, Janelle. Yes, that implicit assumption there is a problem if you are lonely or you are doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah. I think a lot of my work as a therapist has actually been like clients will come in. What do I do? It's nothing. <laughs> Loneliness is not a doing thing. Mm-hmm. It's a being. You have to be in it. Mustakas will agree with you. It's a state of being. 
Exactly. It's and I mean, for me, I don't think, I mean, this is an ongoing process and working how to be with my own loneliness. And I definitely hold the belief that, that therapists can only be as effective as they've done the work themselves. And so I think the trap to fall into as a therapist is when a client says, like, what do I do is to immediately try and give them things to do. Oh, you can, here's all the activities you can do, or this is how you can go out and meet people. So it's been interesting to see as I've grown in my capacity to be lonely, how I'm also able to be with clients in their loneliness. Not that it's comfortable, but I think for me and how to be in it is like there's these moments that when I'm in my house and then all of a sudden loneliness, it's like it just descends. And here I am and I feel it acutely is to challenge myself not to immediately pick up my phone because that's easy, but it's not going to do anything, but to actually just sit down and feel it. And I agree with what you're saying, Mahalo. Not everybody can do that right away. Like We have to build that up. Even if you can do that for five seconds, just to allow what the feeling is to arise. In my own moments of loneliness, often the feeling is nothingness first. And then something, some emotion, some other emotion will come up. And then maybe I'll start having a dialogue with myself. Like I'll just start talking to myself, you know, and, or images will come to my mind or a metaphor will come to my mind and just leaning into that. Like whatever the moment is giving to me is what needs to be here. So I think in how to be with loneliness is an acceptance. Like you said, like not that we should do away with it as soon as we feel it, but accepting that it is here. And so what does it feel like? And to get curious of like, what is that feeling of loneliness for me? And just see how it moves and how it shifts. Totally, because it shifts. Even loneliness shifts or the feelings associated with it. And here I also like, since we talk about what is loneliness, how to deal with it, how, like also I want to bring in like as a reminder of um, a quote from Mustakas from his uh, book on loneliness. And he wrote that loneliness is neither good nor bad. It is not a bad experience in itself, but a point of intense and timeless awareness of the self and which results in bringing a person deeply in touch with his own existence and in touch with others in a fundamental sense beyond romantic relationships or the fantasies of you know, fusion and merging that we have sometimes in our culture. And he continues by writing that I began to see that in the deepest experiences the human being can know, the birth of a baby, the prolonged illness or death of a love relative, the loss of a job, the creation of a poem, a painting and symphony, the grief of a fire, a flood, an accident, each in its own way touches upon the roots of loneliness. In each of these experiences, in the end, we must go alone. So there is a calling of really encountering existence on a deeper level through loneliness, not in a disconnecting way, but actually to become fuller, more fully part of the existence by assuming our fundamental aloneness. And that from that, we can connect with others much deeper by respecting their own aloneness and boundaries and differences. And I don't know, are there any kind of thoughts, like something that you'd like to say about this ad as we are kind of moving to wrap up our dialogue with on this topic or are we feeling so lonely right no, now I that actually <laughs> feel that that's a good place to stop mm -hmm. and yeah that, thank you this was uh, definitely it uh, 
I feel that it brought up some things in me that I will continue to reflect on. But since we are wrapping up here, we want to leave you with the existential question for today. And the question is, what are some reasons that you don't disclose your true feelings in relationships, like with your partner, children, friends, colleagues? So why would you withhold some of those true feelings in relationships, even if you feel them? And they may be important to share. And we are looking forward to read your answers. Follow us on Instagram at Existentialist Podcast. And let us know your answer to today's existential question. To learn more about us, listen to and learn about other episodes, visit our website at existentialistpodcast.com.